Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily Seven games to go in the Premier League season European semi-finals soon to come and the FA Cup semi-finals this weekend get your suits and ties at the ready because I think we are officially in what they call the business end of the season Liverpool and City with a breathtaking battle last weekend in the top flight what will Wembley serve up for us in the FA Cup semi-finals those two sides went through in Europe midweek as well with Manchester City involved in some chaotic scenes is that aggression welcome in the modern game is that what fans want to see we'll tackle that on today's show plus there are some big Premier League games to get stuck into at both ends of the table with the top for and relegation picture still yet to be decided too. We wouldn't have it any other way here on The Dugout, the award-winning Premier League podcast featuring former top flight professionals. My name's Niall and alongside me on the show today, someone who won the title and the FA Cup with Everton in the 1980s, Trevor Stephen is here. Hello, Trevor. How are you doing, mate? I mean, I know you've been a bit stressed because you've been moving house recently. How are you feeling? Exactly stressed. That's it. Got it in one. Got it in one. <laughs> slash anxiety slash not enough hours in the day. But good to be up be, um, alongside you today, mate. Yeah, and that's not even taking in Everton or Burnley's current struggles. That's without all of those things to worry oh, about. That's <laughs> just keep it on, just keep it on, keep it going. Take, take it all in one go, take it all yeah. in one go. That's the best way to deal with it. Uh, and joining Trevor, a man who played hundreds of top flight matches and has seen the good, the bad and the ugly at St. Mary's. And we're not talking about his moustache from back in the day. Francis <laughs> Benali is with us too. Franny, how are you feeling, mate? Yeah, um, by the sounds of it, I'm, I'm feeling better than Trevor. So, uh, you know, but then again, <laughs> I haven't moved house this week, so uh, yeah, that's that's good cause. Yeah, looking forward to the show, guys. Uh, yeah, good to have you both with us. As we say, FA Cup semi-finals this weekend. Liverpool against Man City. Those two sides facing each other twice in the space of a week. Last week it was the Premier League. This week it's the FA Cup. We'll come on to that very shortly. But first, Trevor, I wanted to ask you this: the team you played in for Everton during the '80s, widely regarded as one of the best Everton teams ever. But have you been watching through your fingers lately with how things are going at Goodison Park? Oh, it's it's just been um, unbearable, really. I would call it unbearable. Um, 
you know, if I look back a few games ago, it, it was it was worrying. But then we didn't pick up any points or several games, and and then it gets to the the crunch point, which of course was um, uh, the Man United game last week, and there was so much riding on that, uh, and it's it's only just stopped, you know, the carousel if you want of of speculation whether they're going to go down or not because it's the you know that's only the job half done isn't it well not even half done it's just turned the tables and what, what i did see was a lot uh, uh a lot more togetherness a lot more spirit a lot more doggedness a lot more about everything that you need to win a football match was was present against manchester united so yeah it is not it's not easy watching everton and of course burnley on the other side um, you know, I had to watch the Burnley Everton match, and didn't, you know, I couldn't win really because if I won, I yeah. lost. And if, you know, um, know. <laughs> so it wasn't, it just wasn't a great game. I was commentating on that game as well, so uh, yeah, it was edgy stuff. Mm, yeah, well, we'll talk about Burnley a little bit later on in the show. Of course, Everton not in action in the Premier League this weekend. Burnley are. But why not begin at what's clearly the marquee fixture this weekend, Liverpool against Manchester City. doesn't matter what the competition is. This time it's the FA Cup, but it doesn't matter where they play. These two teams will always attract plenty of attention. It's a Saturday 3.30 kickoff at Wembley. Do you think, Franny, this game will be played in a similar vein to what we saw six days ago at the Etihad? Because... It feels like an eternity ago already. So much has happened in that space between games. It does, now, doesn't it? Yeah, what a what a game it was as well. I, I think it, it certainly lived up to it, its expectation levels, didn't it? You know, goals, uh, the styles that both football teams play, uh, you know, and, and two teams just going at it. And I think for the neutral and anyone watching those kind of games, you, you want to see those sort of teams really having a go at one another and... Uh, I think we've seen in the past maybe one or two teams that you know are good sides, but maybe just take a different approach tactically and maybe go a little bit more defensively in that sort of park the bus scenario, and it, it, it spoils it as a game sometimes. So to to see that fixture um, play out as it did in the Premier League, I I feel that it's going to be something similar again in the in the, the FA Cup semi final, but. I'm just wondering about how the exploits in Europe and injuries and all the rest of it and things like that is going to play a factor in, in, in this cup, cup time. It's definitely worth mentioning that for sure. And we'll talk about it in a bit more detail in a sec. But did you get the feeling, Franny, watching it? Because I certainly did, that we were watching two teams that are just, I mean, we'll be talking about these two teams in 15, 20 years as two of the best to play in the Premier League era. Yeah, I think we spoke on a previous show haven't we that uh, you know you have these rivalries and um, you know Trevor I remember sort of from his era and there was you know United were probably the team that dominated through you know the bulk of my career um, you know City and Liverpool are, are certainly building that now um, and it's up to others to, to break into that and disrupt that to a degree uh, but certainly at this moment in time we're, we're seeing that that rivalry and uh, you know sort of competition between the two sides sort of developing and growing and you know it's no surprise that they're as successful as they have been in recent times but also this season uh on on all fronts and uh you know and it's it's wonderful to 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 watch and it, and it must be wonderful to play in as well as a player you know when you're you're at a top side on top of your game um these are the matches that i think you know these kind of players and clubs want to be playing as often as they can 
How much will those European exploits on Wednesday have an impact here, or do you think it will at all? Uh, no, it probably won't look like it's having a, an impact, you know, because the players are so, um, uh, you know, capable of digging deep and, and just, you know, bringing out performances. I think, but I think this game, by the end of this game, I, I think it'll be well spent, you know, both sides. Um, they've been well aware of this pileup of intense fixtures at the highest level, at the elite level. They've known that that was coming. Um, you can prepare for it, but only only so far. And I really do think that by the end of the 90 minutes, you know, if it's decided in 90 minutes, that uh, there will be nothing left. You know, everything will be left there out on the field and, and they're going to need some time off after that. Um, when I say time off, I mean absolutely low-level recovery training, probably no training, um, because the mileage that these guys are doing at the moment, uh, and that you know, it's on the field and off the field, the, the travelling, the intensity of it all, um, it, you know, can can be very uh, draining. The only thing that can keep your morale up is is um, good results, you know. So that's the key element. Get keep getting the good results uh, and and just take every game as as it comes. But yeah, it's, it's a massive strain physically, I think, now for these sides. Yeah, you're right. The question is how much gas is left in the tank for these, these two teams. And naturally, when they face off, trebles and quadruples start getting discussed. Liverpool are still on course to win four trophies this season. Manchester City could win a treble, but one of those sides' hopes of doing something pretty remarkable will end this weekend, depending on who wins and gets through to the FA Cup final. Is it too early to start talking about those sorts of accolades and achievements, Franny? And if that's the case, when do you start making that a talking point? Because we're at the semi-final stage here. There's only seven games to go of the Premier League season, so we are we are in the crunch stages. So I can understand why some fans are starting to hype it up a bit. Oh, most definitely. Uh, I, th- I think quite naturally for us, you know, doing what we do, it's it's a talking point. It's something that you can't ignore at this stage of the season. And quite clearly, as a, a supporter of one of those teams as well, you're clearly going to be, you know, wishing that your team can uh, pick up, you know, numerous pieces of silverware this season. And it's 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 coming to a to a head that is is just brilliant. And as you you say, it's going to be a, a disappointing outcome for 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 one of the sides you know, at the weekend. I, I just wonder whether. You know, from what we saw in the Premier League game last weekend, uh, and 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 the way that the two sides went about the match, whether we just see something tactically that one of the managers might do to try and come up with something a, a little bit left field, you know, and 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 I've got a feeling that maybe Pep Guardiola is the one that might do it a little bit more than than Jurgen Klopp, uh, just to try and find that little advantage somewhere, uh, and and especially on the back of we don't know how to sort of. The injuries at this moment that we're recording to to De Bruyne and and Carl Walker, Walker. So uh, I nearly said Carl Walker Peters. Then I'm so used to saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Carl Walker uh, are, are going to be, and you know, it's a pretty bruising encounter, wasn't it? And their uh, their European exploits. So yeah, coming back to your question, Carl. Uh, now um, I've got Carl on the brain now. Sorry. What's <laughs> <laughs> uh, going on? Yeah. To to answer your question, Nile. Yeah, quite clearly, it's it's something that's going to be hyped up, and even more so, I think, for whichever the side you know is the the victor at the weekend. 
I just want to check which one of you moved house this week. Is it definitely Trevor? <laughs> definitely Trevor. Do you know? Do you know? Just on on your on your point there, Franny, uh, about the tactical um, possibilities that the sides could could go with or or not go with. And you're right; it's going to be Guardiola. Um, the way that he manipulates and manoeuvres that front line of his with people going into the false nine and put, popping up in all sorts of different positions. Because you look at Liverpool, you know exactly where Salah's going to be for 90 minutes. You know you know he's going to be standing out there on the right-hand side, you, and, and that's it. Um, yeah, it's so effective because he's such a talented footballer. So, yeah, I think City have got potentially a trick up their sleeve because of that that fluidity that um, that Guardiola has in that squad, but I I don't know if it's if you could over confuse it as well. You know he gets conf- he gets um, uh, picked on a little bit Guardiola for for experiment experimenting a bit in in some of the big games, uh, but he's not doing too badly off it. But I just wonder if the um, if if the players could handle another change of format because you know that their demands on them are intense from Guardiola as they are in in Klopp but it's a bit more regimented isn't it in, with uh, with Jurgen Klopp we kind of know what he's going to do have the back four have uh, have the three and have the three up front so but it's going to be every man it's going to be every man or every battle every duel on the field as it as it always is and who's going to come out on top yeah I certainly have a tendency to agree with you both when it comes to the tactical side of things. I think we are more likely to see Pep Guardiola tinker with things. And like you said, Franny, a lot of injuries um, still up in the air with in terms of team selection and fitness after that game with Atletico. We'll talk about that game in a little bit more detail uh, shortly. But Pep Guardiola's words were that his side are in big trouble for the rest of the season, which I thought was very interesting. Um, Let's move on then. Liverpool against Manchester City is the cup semi-final on Saturday, but the one on Sunday is Chelsea against Crystal Palace, two London clubs, and Chelsea have spent plenty of time at Wembley over the last few years. Crystal Palace certainly haven't done. They very rarely get to the national stadium on the big stage, so a huge chance for them. And with the way that they've played against some of the bigger sides this season, Trevor, they've obviously taken a a good number of points off Man City this season, for example. They actually must fancy their chances against Chelsea here. Uh, I think what what Patrick Vieira has done, is he's completely changed the mindset in in Crystal Palace. He's he's changed the way that they have always been in the Premier League on the back foot and he's got them to go on to the front foot and, and really get at teams. Um, so Palace are going into this uh, semi-final uh, deservedly and with the chances, you say, of, of, of doing something against Chelsea. Uh, their, their forward players um, have been particularly impressive uh, this season. Uh, and and you, you think of Zaha, but as if as it has been, he's been involved. He's been excellent, um, and and you know I, one of the interesting things for me, like Jordan Ayew, is how he, he keeps getting the game right, and and now he's he's got a goal as well, um, and Patrick Vieira stuck with him because he knows what he brings to the team. He kind of knows his squad so well, I think Vieira, and they are definitely in with a chance. And so it's a rare trip to to Wembley for the the uh, their fans. I have to say, are probably one of the best groups of fans in the in the Premier League. The way that they uh, make Southhurst Park a, a real difficult uh, venue for opposition teams to go to, 
Uh, yeah, they've got they've got a chance, and of course Chelsea ran themselves into the ground, didn't they, midweek? And again, we're going back to that topic of um, how much is left in the tank for Chelsea. Palace um, had a, a much more comfortable lead up to this game than, than Chelsea have had. Uh, so yeah, it's um, it's definitely a game that Palace can go and n- not get overawed. I believe by by the occasion, I think they've got a really really good chance. Yeah, I mean the fans are really looking forward to it, and you can understand why. You know, the club's 117 years old and Crystal Palace have never won a major trophy, not even an FA Cup or a League Cup in years gone by. So a great opportunity for them. But Chelsea have looked a lot better since their defeat to Brentford. And you'll know all about that, Franny, being a Southampton man. Your side were beaten quite soundly by them last week in the Premier League. They did lose their Champions League tie on aggregate in Madrid, but they can be pretty proud of their display because they gave it a damn good go and they look like they're in much better form than they were just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, as you touched on, Niall, I was was at St Mary's for that that game uh, when they played Southampton and right from the first whistle, it could have been more, to be honest. I mean, I think it was a combination of Southampton being... Pretty poor on the day, but you can't take anything away from Chelsea. They were just absolutely outstanding. And Mason Mount was just controlling things. You know, I was quite pleased to see him come off the pitch and be substituted when he was because, uh, he, you know, he was, he was causing chaos on the day for Southampton. So, you know, their European exploits, you know, they're, they're, they'll be frustrated and disappointed that they've gone out of the competition quite clearly. Um, but you know it's it's that stage of the competition now where you're up against the best sides, the best players, and Karim Benzema scoring four of the the five goals that Madrid scored. You know is is just a player that's you know maturing in his latter years to a, a, another level. And um, you know when you've got players in that kind of form and belief and confidence, and you have a team that that has those kind of individuals on form, they're hard to play against and uh, and get results against. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be a, a reshift and a, a focus for for Chelsea. You'd, you'd have to say that you know a, a, a top four finish is is pretty much certain for them. So Champions League football is guaranteed for them next season. But you know, given the, the turmoil that the club's going through, um, you know, it's a good opportunity for them to get back on track and get themselves to an FA Cup final and potentially a, a piece of silverware this season. It feels like a very Chelsea thing that they would go on this season and win the FA Cup after all of the stuff that's happened off the pitch. You know, even when um, they were kind of way down in the Premier League, they were sort of sixth, seventh one season. They went on and won the Champions League then in, in 2012. So it feels like there's always something brewing underneath with Chelsea. And I think it's interesting what you mentioned about um, Chelsea and the experienced players that they have because... You've played at Wembley for England. I know it's it's a, a different stadium fundamentally now, Trevor. But in terms of that experience of playing at Wembley, the Chelsea players will have that in abundance, whereas most of the Crystal Palace players probably won't. Does that ever play into things when you come into these big games like this or not? Well, it, it can do. But um, at the end of the day, you've still got to play your 90 minutes and you've got to, you've got to play well. And I think that's the challenge that Palace have got that... You know that they um, don't get caught up in the semi-final, the thought of it, uh, and actually just play Chelsea as uh, um, as they would approach, uh, you know, a game against anyone, a game that they've got to go and win. How did they win against Chelsea? Uh, 
they've got to they've got to outrun them, outfight them, outbattle them, and use the ball well. Keep it when they can, uh, and not and not um, give up possession easily when they have it. Uh, there's definitely a, a, a feeling that I have about Chelsea. They were so disappointed uh, with going out after you know the, uh, the valiant effort or at, at Real Madrid, uh, which looked like they'd be kicking themselves because they, they they couldn't close the door um, and and they got themselves into a brilliant position. Uh, and I think that there could be a little bit of an element of a hangover from that. That that's what Crystal Palace have got to see if that is the case. Uh, but you're right. The 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 more familiar you are with your surroundings, i.e., the Chelsea players and Wembley, um, it, it's certainly not a negative. But you know you've got to think about the other things that could be affecting the Chelsea players as they go onto the field. A big disappointment, and you know, and the domestic situation they won't have a trophy this year by the looks of things if they don't get. Um, you know, get this FA Cup uh, uh, or follow through with this FA Cup um, trophy. So we shall see, time will tell. But it's probably probably more evenly balanced um, this particular tie than it has been, it would have been in, in the years previous to Patrick Vieira taking over at uh, Palace. Well, who will make the cup final? We'll find out this weekend. Chelsea versus Crystal Palace on Sunday and Liverpool against Manchester City. Now, it was Champions League action midweek and there was a massive scuffle in the tunnel after City versus Atletico Madrid. It sparked a really interesting debate and we're going to talk about that next here on The Dugout. The Dugout Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily. The Dugout Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily. Welcome back to the show. This is The Dugout, the podcast featuring former top flight professionals Francis Benali and Trevor Stephen, both with me on today's episode of the podcast. And midweek, there was a really entertaining 0-0 draw in the Champions League involving Manchester City and Atletico Madrid. City progressing through to the Champions League semi-finals at Atleti's expense. But a big debate has been rumbling on on social media after Atletico's behaviour in that game against City. And one of the commentators during the game remarked that the kind of fracas and the coming together of all the players getting involved and pushing and shoving was something that we don't want to see. But was that commentator right? Do fans like that sort of drama, Franny? What do you think? Because it it was certainly an entertaining watch as a neutral. I'm sure it was much more nerve-wracking if you were a Manchester City fan. But um, you don't see that too often nowadays. Maybe you would have seen that um, more so when yourself and Trevor were were playing. What's your take on the whole thing? I I think, like you say, it's it's probably because it's something we don't really witness a huge amount of nowadays. And quite clearly, Atletico, there's a, a, a style of football under Simeone that, uh, shall we say, that, that sometimes boils over and that, that, for want of a better phrase, that, that, uh, that passion and, I guess, aggression within the game uh, can quite easily overstep the mark. Uh, yes, as, even as players, uh, commentators, pundits, supporters, we want to see passion, enthusiasm, uh, aggression to a degree in the game, but there, there comes a point where those, for want... I think I saw another description. Those those, those dark hearts of, uh, of of how the game is played. Um, you know, there's there's certain things you don't want to see, and quite clearly you don't want to see players um, endangered through an injury or something like that. But 
it's, it's incredible sometimes how, you know, and I've, I've been there with a little bit of red mist myself on occasions in the past, but how players can just sort of almost like lose their head at a certain stage of a game or, a, you know, a, a, a competition or when you look like you're going to be going out of the, the, the competition and all of a sudden that the juices just flow in a different way and it can boil over very, very quickly. But we see it, you know, not often nowadays, but, and I'm sure Trevor would, would, would have his own experiences, but, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd throw my mind back to, to not just the playing days, but also the training ground with your own squad, you know, like quite often with certain characters and personalities, you know, it could be all the sparks and fists would be flying in a, in a, training session you know between your own teammates at times and I think that just boils down to maybe sometimes the the the, the competitive edge that and spirit that a lot of players have at that level do you know what it's a great point and it's one that I think is often overlooked Trevor I don't know whether you'd agree with this but I seem to find it a bit strange when people are shocked that teammates might have a bit of a scrap on the training ground and I suppose it's like any other workplace you go into an office with 30 people the chances are you're not going to get on with all of those people there might be someone there that you don't see eye to eye with when you've got a highly charged environment when you've got 28 30 lads all vying for 11 spots on a match day you can understand why occasionally things might boil over and a few fists might be thrown here and there so is that something that maybe because we don't get access to that sort of thing on the training ground that people are surprised at when it comes to the surface that you know, teammate X and teammate Y have had a scrap, but yet on a Saturday they'll go out and put their differences aside, and it will work for the team. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But you know, Franny would agree, I think, with this that um, you know, being a footballer is a brilliant career to to have uh, or to experience. And but beyond beyond that, it still is a day. It's a daily job. It's a daily uh, go to work job, and you want to achieve the best that you can uh, in that in, the, in your workplace. Um, for for us, it's been on football training uh, training grounds and been in you know stadia around uh, around the country. Um, but when you go into each and every training session, there's always you know the squad is not eleven people; it's twenty to twenty five people who are all vying for success. And you can only um, do that if you're actually playing in the eleven shirts. You've only got the opportunity to do it. And and football is very much of a mood as well. The mood that you're in, you come off the, off a defeat, your mood's down. You come off a victory, your mood's up. Um, you come in on a victory, but you weren't playing, so your mood's not quite up. You know, you're you're quite happy, you're reasonably happy, but you want to be experiencing uh, getting picked for the team, and that can overflow. It could be a mistimed tackle, it could be someone just not in the best of spirits, and something can happen. You know. So again, like like finally, up several occasions. I remember one Everton game away at um, at Queens Park Rangers uh, a long time ago when they had plastic pitches. You know, back back then, long long time. Uh, and we had um, some characters on our on our team, and they had some characters in their team. I think Simon Stainrod Stainrod got flattened by Pat Van Den Howe because he had a kick at Andy Gray, but Andy Gray was already having a punch out at him as well. And then. You know, everybody bar Neville Southall was involved, and myself because I'm not that type. You know, Franny, I'm not really a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more of a dancer than a fighter. So um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it does happen. And uh, but again, what happened in in Madrid, um, Atletico 
are on the verge of going out of their dream is about to end. It's minutes away. And that was one of the ingredients that took it over the edge. And they're obviously wound up by a manager who um, is, is vociferous uh, all the time, 100%. And that is mirrored in his, the way that his team, you wouldn't expect anything less, by the way. Simeone wouldn't expect anything less than what happened there, that, you know, make your make your opposition know all about it, that you're in the game and that um, you'll do anything to win. And that's what Atletico stooped to, uh, to, to, to try and get players involved and sent off and, and try and make a change in the, in, in the game's environment. But yeah, it's all part and parcel of the game. And I, I would imagine that it, that it always will be. It can't change. You've got those personal drives for success. A few minutes ago, Franny, you mentioned that red mist descending. So what, what are those games like to play in? What, what are those games with that extra bit of needle like to play in? And are there any memories you've got from maybe some similar occasions to what we saw midweek? Yeah, that, I think sometimes it, it can be it can boil down to just maybe um, a, a little bit of a history with either a, a team you've come up against maybe the previous season or a particular player. There might have been a little run-in you've had with someone in the past and all of a sudden, it doesn't take much to ignite that again. Um, I, I think looking back on my career personally, and, and I don't know about Trevor and some of the players he played with, but I think it would have helped me. You know, I, I was so sort of like pumped myself. I wouldn't need teammates or management to or a crowd to, to to lift me any higher. And I think I almost needed someone in my ear saying, you know, just wind it back a bit, Franny. <laughs> you know, and I, and I think it wasn't until maybe the latter years that. I became a bit more experienced and realised I didn't have to be flying into every tackle and things like that. And um, that I became maybe a, a little bit of a better player in some ways, or certainly from a temperament point of view with the experience. But yeah, it, it, it can just happen in a flash, you know. And, uh, it's, it's, it, and I actually remember one scenario or one management team actually that would intentionally on a Friday morning, we used to do a training session when we were at the Dell where we wouldn't, always go out on grass we'd just go in what was what we called the gym it was almost like a, a breeze block walled sort of internal gym on a wooden floorboard surface and you just have these small sided games on a Friday morning do a few warm-ups few stretches and then once you went into these little small sided games the the staff would intentionally give bad decisions and and the guys would start reacting to that and cause the competitiveness and if a ball rolled into the corner and you were running to the corner with, you know, someone charging in behind you, you need your wing mirrors on because uh, you knew you were going to get clattered or someone would push you, shove you into the wall and literally on the brink of it all boiling over, the whistle would blow, the management would be happy and go, right, okay, guys, hit the showers, let's see you tomorrow. And, it's, and they'd hope it would almost continue into the Saturday. So, yeah, sometimes it's done intentionally by one or two people, but quite often it's just those those rivalries that can spark it a little bit or quite clearly on my situation on once or twice, it would just blow up out of nothing. You've got to be careful crashing into those walls at the Dell. The place might have fallen down. <laughs> I was just going to say, on the back of, on the back of, of what you're seeing there, uh, Franny, that the Friday mornings when I was playing at Rangers, Friday mornings, Graham Suness manager, uh, an aggressive character himself, uh, he would always make us play on the Friday mornings, England against Scotland, right? Right. So the England players playing against the Scottish lads. And honestly, you've never seen anything like it. Uh, Dackles going in, shirts being pulled, elbows in the face, the lot, just to win that game. It was like, um, 
it was like proper sort of 13th century Scotland uh, <laughs> stuff, you know. But yeah, it's all part and parcel of the game, the physicality of it, the edge. And sometimes that edge gets a bit too sharp, uh, as we saw this week. That's what they often did, Trevor, didn't they? It was like, uh, my we, we didn't have maybe the split of yeah. like, English versus the Scots, but we had either North versus South, yeah, yeah. or or the Youngins versus the Oldens. I want to know who won the most. Who won the most, Trev? Was it England or Scotland? Oh, England, mate, England. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even need to ask that question, did I? Yeah, Are there any question. any other handbags or anything you remember, Trevor? From because you played with some tough characters, didn't you? Like, you know, you mentioned Andy Gray there. I mean, he had a bit of a reputation for being nails. Um, you must have played yeah, with a Peter, few. Reed, Peter Reed. Yeah, Peter Reed. Um, but he was more physical in the. He's a great tackler and and put everything, left everything in there. Pat Van den Howe was. Um, uh, he could be quite reckless. Uh, so I think it's all these left backs, isn't it, Franny? <laughs> um, and uh, so yeah, that they they were. Um, probably the standout ones that I can think of. Any tunnel bust-ups or anything similar to what we saw midweek or? Uh, yeah, more, more Rangers. There was, you know, the old firm games, there tended to be one or two skirmishes depending um, on what's just happened on the field. Uh, and when we had one or two players, even, even Ali McCoyce was quite, um, you know, quite, a, uh, let's say physical at times. Um, in those particular games, we had a player called John Brown, who was one of our uh, centre backs, at, um, a Scottish lad uh, from Glasgow, and uh, John was—he um, would get his shin pads on for an old firm game at about ten to two for the three o'clock kickoff. He'd be so hyped and prepped up that our doctor used to have to put a, a brown paper bag over his head to stop him hyperventilating, <laughs> right? Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, you can imagine those kind of characters play right on, on the edge. And, and Franny was far more like that than I was. I was far more um, kept out of the physicality because that's the mm. kind of player I was. Franny's, yeah, like, Fran- like what happened to Phil Foden, where he got kicked yeah. and he decided not to react. Was yeah. that something you would, you were more of that ilk, would you say? That, that was... That was it, but the idea as, as a, a Phil Foden uh, or a type of player like I was uh, is to avoid getting kicked, right? So that was part and parcel of your development in the game, learning how to do that. Uh, and yes, you know, uh, what Phil Foden did would, would be the sort of kind of reaction that I would have done. Um, uh, you know, I, I used to get, you know, tackled quite uh, strongly by people like Stuart, Stuart Pierce, you know, and um, you just wouldn't react to Stuart Pierce. You just sort of rub your hands, get get on with it kind of mentality. But that was just my makeup. That's, um, you know, I, I didn't need to get involved in any of that. There were others in the team who, who would, you know, get my back or look after me. I, th- I think that was like, a, as you, you, you're alluding to there, Trevor, and I, I saw it with sort of players that I played with in those different types of, player, uh, you know, the names such as Jimmy Case, Terry Herlock, Neil Ruddock, you know, th- those guys could look after themselves for sure, you know, and, and look after the, their teammates as well. But there were the players that, that weren't that kind of physical player when, when you could use the physicality in the game, very different to nowadays. But like Trevor's saying, you know, there the, there was a form of bravery, I think, for those players that wouldn't fly into tackles. You know, to to actually get on the ball in an era when we played, when 
defenders and players could actually come in and really have a piece of you was was just as brave as going into a 50-50 with another competitive player because you know the, the the skillful players the ball players knew that those challenges were going to be coming in yet you still had to to play your game and do your thing for the team because that's what they were good at yeah i mean it's really interesting to hear you guys discuss that um Trevor trying to get out of the way of people kicking him and Franny trying to stop himself kicking people. It's quite an interesting little di- dynamic <laughs> uh, we got going on there. Um, yeah, interesting to look back at some of the uh, aggression that we saw midweek in the Champions League. But we're going to revert back to Premier League football next. There's some big games taking place this weekend away from the FA Cup in the top flight. Lots still to be decided and we'll go through them next after this. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily. The Dugout, Premier League Preview, Football Social Daily. Welcome back. This is The Dugout from Sports Social, your weekly Premier League podcast with former top flight professionals, Everton and Burnley former winger Trevor Stephen is with me and Southampton legend Francis Benali joins us also. And we're going to talk Tottenham against Brighton now. It's the early kickoff on Saturday. Every week... The top four favourite seems to change, Trevor. It was Manchester United, it was West Ham, it was Arsenal, and now it's Tottenham Hotspur. Should they beat Brighton, they'll have a nice little cushion. They've still got a North London derby with Arsenal to play. But how close to getting the job done will they be feeling with seven or eight games to go? Because in a pressure situation, that must feel like absolutely forever. Yeah, if I'm honest, I'm quite convinced that it'll be Spurs who take the the fourth spot. Um, I think... uh... Conte is a, a manager that I've admired um, for a long time. Um, he's got he's getting the reaction from his players that he has been crying out for. Uh, it's been a, such an up and down experience for him, and uh, now he's he's had that few uh, that run of games now, which has taken his team into this fourth spot. And uh, Harry Kane is playing as well as he's ever done. The other players have lifted their game. They've set themselves standards now under under Conte, and I can't see them letting this slip. And so I'm, what I'm expecting is a real strong end to the season for Spurs, where they can focus and concentrate solely on that on that goal of securing fourth place. Um, I'll be very surprised if other teams um, can can get them out of that position. It's theirs to lose. You know, and I don't think Antonio Conte would settle for that. He's not gonna. He's not gonna have that. Uh, and he will be the most furious man on the planet if um, if Spurs do let this get uh, get away from them. Uh, I like the way that they've, they've started to play. I mean, you've even got their their fullbacks scoring goals. Um, they're spreading them around. Uh, it, it looks strong for me, and it looks as if their spirit as a team is back. You know, you compare that to a Man United, West Ham with that thin squad, uh, Arsenal showing that they've still got that sort of weakness when they need that the the strength. Um, Spurs look best suited to me at this stage to to secure fourth. Well, talking of Spurs fullbacks, they might be without Matt Doherty for the rest of the season. He's gone down with injury. That will be a blow to Spurs considering he's been playing quite well recently and it won't be easy against the Brighton side who beat Arsenal last weekend and uh, Trevor mentions Antonio Conte and how he keeps a grip on things um, 
Brighton won't be pushovers. And, and how does Conte ensure, Franny, that there isn't going to be one of those infamous Tottenham Hotspur banana skin slip-ups? Because it seems like every time they get into a good position, they get that adverse result. How does Conte ensure that that doesn't happen? Yeah, good question, Niall. It, it's, uh, clearly, I think there's only a handful of games now and it's just he'll, he'll be saying to his team and players, I'm sure, to, to stay focused, stay in the form that they are at the moment. I mean, only one defeat in their last seven Premier League games is uh, that they're, they're finding that consistency now. Um, they're scoring a bag full of goals. I mean, so the confidence has got to be flying. Is it 25 goals? I think they've scored in the last seven league games. Uh, Son and Kane are amongst the scorers right up there again and on form. So, yeah, it, it'll be pretty much just telling his players to to, to stay focused. Um haven't quite seen the running that they've got, so I'm not quite sure what their fixtures are like compared to other teams in and around them. But agree with Trevor that uh, certainly at the moment, with the results they've had recently, the form they're in, they're looking probably best placed to to secure that fourth spot. But you know, we've we've seen twists and turns, you know, previously, and you you just never know. But it would have to take something pretty spectacular to go wrong for them. And with someone like Antonio Conte, you can't imagine the kind of personality that he is that he's going to allow the team to to slip at this stage of the season. If they did, it would just be, you know, they'd have no one else but themselves to blame, really. Yeah, Tottenham have obviously still got that North London derby to play, which would be big for them against Arsenal. They've also got an away trip to Brentford, which, as we know, this season hasn't been easy. They've got uh, Leicester at home. I think they might even have Liverpool away. Yeah, they do. That's a 7.45 kickoff in early May. So there are still some tough games to come for Tottenham Hotspur, no doubt about it. But their next test, half 12 on Saturday lunchtime against Brighton and Hove Albion. That one is at home, of course. Manchester United are also at home at Old Trafford, but it's not exactly been the theatre of dreams for them this season. Season. Their Champions League dream of finishing fourth looks like it's in danger of petering out. If Tottenham are going to grab that fourth spot, it will be at the expense of Manchester United and a cluster of other clubs. They face Norwich City at Old Trafford, three o'clock on Saturday, and Norwich arrive having picked up a massive win uh, over Burnley. Let's start with Manchester United first. And from their perspective, Trevor, they could have a new manager in the next few weeks. Eric Tenag, the Ajax boss, is reportedly being lined up to take over the reins from Ralph Rangnick in Manchester. The players will obviously be aware of that. Do you think we'll see an improved performance from last week's dire display against Everton with the fact that a new manager could be on his way because they could maybe be looking to impress the new person coming in? Or is that wishful thinking at this stage? I, th- I think your, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, Niall, on this, what you, what kind of team Manchester United will turn out uh, performance-wise. Uh, you're right and correct word for last week's performance uh, against Everton. It was dire. It was powder puff. It, it was, um, there was no connection between anyone on, on the field, you know, from one to another. Uh, and, and, you know, Everton looked, you know, the more... The, the side who, who were vying for a fourth spot rather than trying to avoid relegation. That's how bad Man United were. Um, I, I really don't know. I, I think there's going to be a big shuffle of the pack um, when Ten Hag comes into into the club. Uh, I think it's going to be a good appointment. I don't think there's any um, doubt about that. Uh, Manchester United are no longer the Manchester United of Sir Alex Ferguson and the way the club was run. It is now trying to be a modern football club, but it's made so many bad decisions. It doesn't really know if it's coming or going. And they've, they've got a lot of players who are not 
um, given value for for the, the salaries they're on or the position of being a Manchester United player. They're just underperforming. Uh, so if you are if you're lucky with Man U, you've got to say, well, Norwich coming to Old Trafford, that has got to be a a, a, a game where your confidence can be lifted. Uh, so if they don't win this comfortably, you've got to say that a lot of those players are going to have to, you know, think about uh, employment elsewhere because this is this should be a game which uh, they should really you know, absolutely dominate and win comfortably. But Norwich could quite easily go there and get a draw. I'd kind of see them winning it, but they could go and get a draw. Well, yeah, I agree with you, and we could come on to Norwich in a minute. I just wanted to stay on Manchester United for now. And there has been clamour from some supporters, Franny, to play the kids, as you often hear people say when things aren't going particularly well. United can still finish in the top four. It looks extremely difficult. They'd have to win all of their games and hope that teams slip up around them. So it's looking very unlikely. Um, So do you think that Ralph Rangnick does have cause to play some of the younger players? Because like Southampton, you'll know that... You know, there's quite a famous academy they've got there at Old Trafford. So giving those young players an opportunity, they could be the stars of the future. Um, it's no better place to throw them in, is there, than in a in a Premier League game like this? Well, I think, again, just casting my mind back to, to, to my playing days, you know, just the way that Southampton seemed to do it back in the day was, you know, or probably most sides, it, it might just be the last game or two possibly of the season where, you know, you might see a, a, a young face or a youngster coming through that uh, gets put into the, the first team setup. Um, yeah, I, I think quite clearly it, it can help the players themselves if they get brought into the um, the playing side of a first team environment. Um, and given, like you say, that that fourth spot is highly unlikely now um, and dependent on other teams, it's out of their hands to a degree that, you know, I don't think any United supporters would be too disappointed to see some players possibly brought in but then again you know you, you, you'd have to maybe question you know that that sort of whole role of Ranić and the new manager coming in to you know is there conversations taking place already is the deal done and you know is there players he wants to maybe sing yeah it's, it's just such a confusing scenario at the moment in some ways so you you know Ranić could put some players in and if there's no dialogue between you know, him and, and, and Howe coming in, then, you know, it'd almost be a pointless exercise because he may not consider those players when he takes the job anyway. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a real difficult scenario at the moment. It's shambolic, isn't it? It's a shambolic uh, state to get into and how, how they've ended up where they are. Um, and I can't, I can't see a quick recovery either. It's not something I think is going to turn around, even with Ten Hag coming in. It's going to take some uh, some rebuilding of, of that squad because so many of them have to go. They've been given chance after chance to show that they've got something special, which you need to be uh, or need to have to be a Manchester United player. Um, and it doesn't mean you say uh, you know you can do lots of step overs. It means you're a really top pro uh, and you bring your skills wherever they may be to the to the club. But they've got so many who don't deliver uh, performance. Um, from one week to the next. And, you know, you even look at Marcus Rashford, uh, the, you know, his time at Manchester United has been, it's almost like the dimmer switches on. It's like there's a great player there. We know it, we've seen it, but he's so far removed from the form that he's had. Uh, and and there's, there's several others like it. And you talk about your Pogba's and your uh, Fernandes and people like that. 
just don't they just don't do enough they just uh, for on the team ethic they're always trying to prove themselves as a great player missing the point of being in a football team as a team and and what what the team can achieve um, so that has to be re um, reintroduced i think into the dressing room in man united well as for norwich you mentioned how when they come to town there's a, an opportunity for their opponents to kind of lift themselves in spirits i'm not saying that norwich are the whipping boys because they still have a, a good chance of staying up big result last week against burnley they saw manchester united lose to everton which will have been bad for them in terms of the relegation picture but they can also take some confidence from that heading to old trafford franny is this the best chance they'll ever get to beat Manchester United at Old Trafford I mean there's there's not many better times you could cherry pick to play United away from home and possibly be in with a chance of winning no exactly and you know they're, they're down to now Norwich the almost the, the the last roll of the dice really aren't they so yeah clearly they'll they'll look at it as a an opportunity um, you know you've clearly got to say that Old Trafford is no longer the holds the fear factor that it once did um, and teams will go there thinking they've got a, a chance and Norwich have got to somehow take that confidence and belief from that victory they took last week into this game. I can't see them pulling clear out of the relegation zone in all honesty, having won only five games all season. They're going to probably need another three or four in the remaining games to have a chance of staying up. So, yeah, you, you'd have to say it's, it's too little, too late for them. But, uh, yeah, there's nothing to say that they can't go there and get some kind of result. Manchester United against Norwich is a three o'clock kickoff on Saturday at Old Trafford. Talking about it possibly being too little, too late. What about Trevor's old team, Burnley? They face West Ham at London Stadium. Quarter pass to kickoff on Sunday in the Premier League. And the Clarets are right up against it now. Sean Dyche, for me, in his post-match interview after the recent loss to Norwich, showed the slightest bit of defeatism when he said, now we can play with more freedom. Obviously, it's a hugely damaging result, Trevor, for your former team to lose to Norwich. Have they given themselves too much to do now, do you fear? Yeah, I don't think there's much you know, leeway there. I don't think there's... It's not a, a hugely talented group of players at Burnley. They've been uh, you know, well-coached, well-managed uh, over the years. But they've, they've never sort of uh, um, been a, a team that's going to be pleasing to the eye. Uh, so I don't think the, the freedom that that Sean Dyche is talking about is, is really realistic. Uh, I just found that comment interesting, mm. the term freedom. It's almost as if he's given up, not given up, because that's not Sean Dyche's style. It's not his yeah. way. He doesn't give up. But it almost felt like a strange thing to say, we can now play with freedom. Like what we say when we talk about sides that have already gone down. Okay, the shackles are off. They know their fate. And the last three or four games of the season, they can go out and express themselves. Yeah, that's um, a dangerous... I just thought it was an interesting thing to say. So it's a dangerous uh, sort of uh, principle though, isn't it? If you're going to play with freedom, but you need to play with discipline. And and Burnley have been about discipline and, and how they operate as a side. And to just to discard that um, because it's looking, you know, pretty pessimistic as far as staying in the division is concerned. Uh, I don't think that works really. Um, maybe it was a bit of a, a slip of the the tongue, if you want, from from Sean Dyche, and, and maybe we are misreading it. Uh, but Burnley are in, uh, on real difficulty. Um, you know, Everton have got themselves a, a lifeline and are attached to the main part of the. The, the Premier League now, whereas I do feel the bottom three um, I, I, I need so much luck going forward with results happening elsewhere and uh, trying to collect points themselves. 
and, and you know they go to West Ham. Um, of course, West Ham have the Europa League challenge from the, for this week. Uh, you know, again, it's mileage and competition might give Burnley a chance, but you know, West Ham still have goals themselves. Um, and you know, if you are stuck in the middle, I don't know if it was like that for Southampton last week because of where they are in the league. If they, they can come become a little bit less powerful as a unit. Uh, West Ham still have that ambition of squeezing into that top four or Europa League somehow. Mm. So they've got a real motivation to carry on. What do you think, Franny? Final thoughts on this one. Is that the relegation picture sewn up? Should you know things stay as they are? Because Everton's win last week against Manchester United was big. Burnley losing to Norwich um, was, was big, of course. And I think the gap's now four points. Leeds have picked up form. Watford keep losing as well so in in terms of the bottom three do you think we'll see it stay as is or will there be some sh- some shuffling between now and the end of the season you just never know I mean it, it would take a mon- monumental effort from someone in, in the, that bottom three at the moment Burnley would be frustrated just coming back to your comments about what Sean Dyche said I think I don't know maybe he was trying to publicly take the pre- pressure off his own team because um, as you say that's that's not him as a personality or a character is it to ever almost be seen to be given up and, and I'm not for one moment saying he, he has at all because he won't that's that's what he's made of and uh, he'll, he'll have that within the club as well and from his players and they'll keep going it's, it's they, they, they blew an opportunity you know they set themselves up with that victory against Everton but then to go and lose the next game uh, it was a huge moment in their season uh, and you've got to say that with Everton just looking like they can get a result here and there now uh, that for me, I'd, I'd say it's going to stay as it is. We'll wait and see what happens. Exciting times at the back end of the Premier League season. Fergal will be back on Sunday looking at those FA Cup semi-finals and those respective Premier League games. But that is us done for another week on the dugout. Uh, massive thanks as always to Francis Benali and Trevor Stephen for their company on today's show. Don't forget if you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss an episode of this podcast again. We are the only show with a brand new episode on Premier League football every single day of the season. There aren't many days left and it's going to get exciting. I can promise you that. So hopefully we'll catch you again next time. Have a cracking Easter weekend, whatever you're up to, and we'll speak to you again soon. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.